0: The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions, and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at Ladbrooks.com, 18 plusbegambleawareorg T's and Cs apply.
2: This is a Game Day podcast from Talk Sport.
3: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Game Day Premier League podcast from Talk Sport with me, Sam Matterface. This week, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer packs the swimsuits, the bucket and the spades to see if Manchester United can dig out a result at Bournemouth Watford stranded on the rocks face Chelsea we'll check in with Stuart Pearce who watched both Chelsea and United in midweek to give his prognosis on their seasons so far Uh, the leaders should get safe passage as Liverpool go to Villa and City face Southampton but why are so many of the teams in the Premier League this season underperforming weren't you expecting a bit more from West Ham Everton Wolves Tottenham Southampton Watford even Bournemouth who can't seem to score goals Chris Perry the former Tottenham centre-back is here hello Hello. And Tom Rennie, Talk Sports national editor, is here. Hello. Performing well all season. And Andrew Butler, everyone's favourite dream team geek, is with us to sort out the Ioses from the Dozies. This is Game Day from TalkSport. This is Game Day, Premier League preview show. Chris Perry and Tom Rennie here in the studio with me. Gents, walking away from Everton the other night, I was in a Carabao Cup game and they came outside and I was walking alongside a former Manchester United player who said to me, why are so many teams in this league disappointing us? Um, West Ham playing under par Everton playing under par Watford who got to the cup final last year and haven't changed too much of their squad under par Tottenham Arsenal Newcastle Southampton who was supposed to be better in their second season under Harsen, who to a man that finished second in the Bundesliga with Leipzig I mean is there an overarching reason here or is everyone just depressed why is everyone so depressed about their team this season
4: I would say the reason is expectation is so high. I think all these teams expected to do better when realistically they never were going to. But I think you could say that about a lot of these teams, that they all expected to do better. They all spent big. Even Newcastle, I know he's not great, but they spent £40 million on a striker, £20 million on a winger in January in Almiron. The money has sort of been spent to a point. Do you you think
1: that's the problem, though? Is, Is the problem the fact that these inflated transfer prices are actually giving the fans they're they're thinking they're paying for top quality players when actually they're getting the same average player just just for an Inflated price.
3: When you go through the list of Premier League teams this season, you can't find too many that are satisfied with the way they've started their campaign. Liverpool, they haven't played at their best, I still maintain that, yeah. but they're top of the table and gone on a fantastic run. Yeah. Chelsea, I think, are uh, performing better than many people expect. Enjoy
1: watching Chelsea at the moment.
3: And they're fun to watch. Weird, isn't it? It's
1: weird
4: liking <laughs> yeah. Chelsea, isn't it? It feels <laughs> horrible. For me, particularly. On. It's yeah. Yeah, see, From
1: where I come from in southwest London, it's unheard of. I
4: watched them the who, weekend, they were so good, I had to get straight in the shower. It was horrendous. <laughs> who, else is, who else is happy? Sheppard United are happy I thought I was doing the game Monday against Arsenal last week I thought they were fantastic they outplayed yeah. West Ham at London Stadium Saturday as well um, I love the kind of chaotic organisation of the way that they play uh, they get seven forward they get seven back Center they back's challenge, overlapping. They, or they run uh, and they're not just a lump it up to McGoldrick's side that's a lazy way of looking at them they do do that a little bit they put a lot of crosses in as well but I think they're a very very good footballing side and I think they'll be very happy with what's happened so far Absolutely. Okay, so we've got them
3: Chelsea Sheffield United Leicester Leicester, Leicester, be Leicester. Leicester been, I, Again
1: another team I really enjoy watching Leicester uh, And maybe one more Palace glad I, I all over. Palace Palace, Palace, yeah. Palace will be buzzing to fin- If they finish in the top 10 If they finish where, where they are now They'll be really happy I think Okay so we've got 5 teams happy out of 20 <laughs> I suppose that's good <laughs> There are
3: some feel good stories At least And amongst those Maybe the fact that Manchester United's young guns Will start firing again Surely it will happen Against Bournemouth
5: Wilson, off the post and back in from Nathan Ake for 2-2. They've equalised. It's happening all over again to Everton of the Vitality. It's Strikes from the edge of the area, and Manchester United have the lead. McTominay with an absolute blinder, just on the edge of the D. As Manchester United were racing forward, and it's the opening salvo, and United have the lead. Fraser
1: busting a gut to get up in support. He's used him as the decoy. Brooks in space. Brooks
2: for King, and it's one-one. With the last kick of the first half, Bournemouth at the back on level terms. Classic counter-attacking football from the Cherries.
3: Live on game day with Reshmin Chowdhury and me and Stuart Pearce as well on TalkSport and across the world on Premier League Live. It's Bournemouth against Manchester United, 12.30 on Saturday. Uh, Bournemouth haven't scored in any of
1: their last three games. What's the problem, Chris? Difficult to put a finger on it, isn't it? I mean, not won any of the last four. It's the same manager, the same style of play. Haven't really changed the squad that much over the summer. Does it need freshening up down there? Has Eddie Howe maybe hit the ceiling? they go through periods like this though don't they Bournemouth they seem to sort of have a, a dip in results four mm. or five
3: games where nothing goes their way and then all of a sudden they roar back into contention uh, with uh, three points here or there and I think they quite enjoy playing against the bigger teams
4: yeah absolutely they're the kind of side that can pull off a shock we thought they'd beat Watford last week and didn't create a great deal uh, in that really dreadful game at Vicarage Row what was interesting to me though is that this season I mentioned it in the preview uh, package for it last week that Dominic Solanke finally got dropped last week mm. uh, and I thought it would make a big difference and turns out it didn't actually <laughs> but they're playing Watford and Watford just don't play do they No, Watford just sit there
3: and try not to concede goals now that, that is their modus operandi Yeah, I, I think Bour- Bournemouth
1: actually are they're probably more suited to playing away from home they like to sit back they've got pace on the current attack they've got players that can run with the ball mm. and cause you problems in behind and, and that's probably the problem teams are going to, to the Vitality Stadium now and, and they're not doing that they're not they're not attacking them. They're sitting back. They're making Bournemouth they're come on them. Bournemouth, yeah, aren't absolutely. They? And yeah. one of the
3: reasons may have been because of Ryan Fraser, but he hasn't performed as well this season because he's fallen out with Eddie Howe. It's
4: another great example of what we've spoken about a lot with Tottenham this year. You don't keep someone who doesn't want to be there. How many times does this come up when someone's pushing for a move? It takes me back to Anatovic last year and lots of other guys like it. It's like, but he's our best player. We can't let him go. But the moment that guy doesn't want to be there, the performance drops, and we've all seen Christian Eriksen this season. Mm. This is not the Christian Eriksen that we've been linking to Real Madrid for 18 months he is not that player and Ryan Fraser does not want to be at Bournemouth they've kept him for whatever reason there's been a fallout there we all know about that and he's not performing to that level and also there's a point of, of last year where Fraser was a little bit unexpected in what he did the the elevation in performance now everyone goes watch Ryan Fraser yeah, what Fraser
1: into Wilson it's amazing how quickly that happens in the Premier League you know you become aware of a player And how quickly teams suddenly look at how we can stop that player.
3: Mm. Okay, slightly different this week. Uh, We thought, seeing as Stuart Pearce watched Chelsea and Manchester United this week in the Cup, that we should ask the former England international, uh, because they're featuring both on game day this weekend, uh, to give us his thoughts ahead of those matches. Here he is with me at Stamford Bridge after Wednesday night's Cup game involving Chelsea and Manchester United. So, Stuart, we just see Marcus Rashford win this Cup tie for Manchester United with a fantastic. free kick but what else did you learn about Manchester United tonight because to me they look like they
5: had a better shape about Mm. them they look more solid would you agree totally agree with that as I say they were having watched them early season I thought they were too easy to play against tonight they're anything but fantastic shape to their team the back five good press from the front as well and Chelsea found it very very difficult to break them down without going wide there was no room in behind and that give them a real stability to go on and win the game and with Rashford in your team you've always got a chance and what a goal to win the game. So bearing in mind that they're playing against the Bournemouth team this weekend who haven't
3: scored that many mm. goals recently and have had a bit of a goal scoring issue, the fact that Manchester United seem to have sorted out their defensive issues over the last couple of weeks anyway mm. will hold them in good stead going there. I know it wasn't their first team by any stretch tonight yeah. but when they get to, to, to
5: Dean Court on Saturday they'll be mm. full of confidence and would you expect them to go and win there? Well, I think it's a real good building block, uh, this game. It's added on to what they've done earlier in the week and the last couple of games, and I think that's important for Ollie at the moment. Having watched that performance, if they can replicate that defensive uh, structure that they've showed tonight, I think they'll get every chance of winning it.
3: Does a Carabao Cup win really mean anything in the grand scheme of things, in terms of, uh, you know, in the, fifth, uh, the fourth round of the
5: competition? getting through to the next round. I mean tonight does it matter that they've beaten Chelsea? 100% it does, you know. This game's all about continually ticking off victories if you can and getting through rounds of competitions. It enables your team to gain confidence to go into the next game. Also as well there was a lot of young players on show for United as well. Gives them more confidence, the winning feeling.
3: Yeah, indeed. There was a lot of young players on the Chelsea team as well. Our second commentary on Saturday on Talksport. We got three of them. The first one is Bournemouth against Manchester United. Over on TalkSport 2, Arsenal Wolves. And then finally, we end up with Chelsea away at Watford. What Mm. will Frank Lampard do after losing for the first time in eight matches?
5: Yeah, I think uh, maybe too many changes tonight for Chelsea. I think Saturday he will go with his strongest team, Tammy up front again. Uh, And I expect them back to winning ways, to be honest with you. They'll be looking forward to going to Watford. Watford are struggling at the moment and uh, struggling to get victories from anywhere. And I think Chelsea will relish going there.
3: One of the things that uh, we saw tonight with Chelsea, though, was that Jorginho and Kovacic partnership. They seem to have formed an understanding in the last few weeks. A lot of criticism
5: for both of them last campaign. Why do you think they've come good? Um, I just think it's a bit of understanding, I think. Uh, The team are playing extremely well as well and sometimes if you're part of that winning team, even if you're not playing as well as you can be, it almost gets overlooked slightly, you know, but I think collectively Chelsea are playing well and whoever gets wheeled out there at this moment in time are enjoying their football. I mean, tonight aside, they've been beaten, I know that, but they've been on a wonderful run of of, of victories. And we, we talked about it whilst we were commentating tonight. Chelsea didn't play particularly
3: well in that first half, they didn't have that cutting edge but at the same time it was a team that had made six changes from the the weekend. They have got big hitters to come. Do you think that there will be a time though over the course of the season when they have a little blip because of the number of youngsters that are in the squad?
5: Without a doubt that will be the case. Uh, Frank will be very aware of that. I think why Chelsea were so lacklustre in the first half is their front three were were exactly that. There's an old saying in football that says you're only as good as your front line and Chelsea were exactly that in the first half, non-existent in many ways. Hudson-Odoi was in and out, Pulisic was very, very average tonight and you can see why he hasn't broken into the Chelsea team before now.
3: And with um, uh, I mean, Obviously he's got a hat-trick at the weekend which was particularly impressive from Pulisic but obviously tonight seemed to go back into his shell a little bit. Abraham, you mentioned about the top line and uh, the front line and, and how important
5: having a good striker is. Mm.
3: Four games without a goal now, would you be concerned about that?
5: Well, not overly, no, because you know full well he does more than that. He leads the line, he's a physical presence, any balls in the box you can toss crosses in there and he'll, he'll compete for it and stop defenders getting clear headers. So he offers Chelsea a little bit more than just his goals.
3: Okay, thank you very much. You'll be with me, Bournemouth against Manchester United on
5: Saturday. Then we've got Arsenal Wolves and then it's Chelsea against Watford. Looking forward to it. Be fantastic. And also as well, by the time we start commentating on the Bournemouth game, our glorious England team would have won the Rugby Union World Cup. Uh,
3: Chris, as I mentioned earlier, I was at Everton versus Watford on Tuesday. Dominic King in the mail the day afterwards called the first half an affront to knockout football. <laughs> Watford showed such little ambition. <laughs> Without Deeney and because of Welbeck's injury and Saar not being fit, they, they do have limited options. I'll give them that, but they do not look like a team that are going to score anytime soon.
1: They don't. They really, they're really struggling. They, Troy Deeney is is such a huge miss. He's, he's a talisman for them, off the pitch, on the pitch. He, everything seems to go through him. He leads. He, you can see out there. They're just looking for someone to take the game by the scruff of the neck and and lead them in an, in some direction towards the opposition goal. And no one's doing that at the moment. And and they've got players who Delafoe is a player that is is all about confidence. And at the moment, it's just not happening for him. He,
3: They've sacrificed a bit as well by going to three at the back. They've taken an extra man out of the midfield, and that has stopped them, stumped them in terms of creativity. I mean, they created one shot on target. Decoré
1: and Capua yeah, last right. season were
4: excellent, weren't yeah, they? As, yeah. as a
1: pair, it's changed, and, and when the things injuries, change, it. Of course, yeah, absolutely, well, yeah.
4: yeah. On Decoré, right? I, I was watching him in the game against Bournemouth last week. We missed an, an open goal early doors and didn't play well across the piece. And then I watched again midweek how good he was the week before against Tottenham, mm. and they have got too many players, Delafield included that on the big stage, the big stadium, when people might be watching that might want to buy them at some point, they're yeah. incredible. Home against Bournemouth, three o'clock Saturday. I see people who don't care. That's what I see when I watch these guys. And you watch, there was a bit in the Bournemouth game where De La gets the ball in the penalty area back to goal. And instead of desperately trying to get a shot away, or thinking what he can do, he tried to beat everybody again because that makes him look great on YouTube mm. and that might get him a move somewhere.
3: It's right? interesting because Danny Mills said to me during the game, after about 20 minutes on Tuesday night, Do you actually think they're trying? And in, yeah, and and that absolutely. is, uh, it's, he said, it's not something he likes to accuse professional footballers of very often. But I suppose in Watford's case, in that particular match, they they're quite happy to get out of the Carabao mm. Cup because they want to concentrate on getting uh, points on the ball in in, in the Premier League. Uh, Andre Gray actually came into these studios not so long ago with Hugh Worsencroft, and he said, "Look, give me a run, and I'll I'll score goals." He was sort of almost begging for that opportunity. Well, I went through his statistics on the way in today, and I. He, He started five Premier League games. He started two AFL Cup games. That's seven out of a possible 12 matches. I mean, that constitutes, at the top of the game, which the Premier League is, a decent decent run run in the side. He scored one goal. Now, you do not get that long in the Premier League to bed yourself in if you're not
4: delivering, do you?
1: Absolutely. I mean, he's, he's fortunate in many ways that Troy Deeney's been missing because mm. he, he certainly wouldn't be getting anywhere near the side if Troy Deeney was fit and well, firing. they
4: he's not getting in now. They literally need someone to score for him and they're playing Pereira and Feu as a kind of it, makeshift first-nine pairing. Because he's not
3: scoring. And he, he had one shot on goal on but Tuesday also, night straight at the But also, it, it, the gives, it gives
1: them a bit more defensively if Pereira plays... You know, he, he's a midfield player, he runs around. Listen, he's not a great defender, but he, he does cover a lot of distance. Does I don't he run think, around? I don't, I don't think he's a great centre forward. He's no. certainly not a good centre forward. No, no he's, a, he's, a, he's a wide player,
4: an attacking why midfield they're player. There. No, I
3: mean, his movement isn't right to be a centre
6: forward.
4: I always think it's a bit odd. I always remember when Alan Curbishley came into West Ham when they were awful and Pardew got sacked and all that. And it always sticks with me this. They were in a relegation battle, a great escape year, and he said. The one-pointers don't matter. The losses don't matter. It's the three-pointers. We need to win games. That's Mm. all that matters. When you're down there, get out and win. And they brought in Kike Sanchez-Flores, who is the most negative manager... He's a kind of guy that, nil-nil, he, he's dazzled by the entertainment on show. Like, he's just the kind of guy that only likes vanilla ice cream but they tomato sauce. But soup. that's not true. He's been manager there before. They that's know that. True. What happened? He's... It was Dower. He's handsome, but it's Dower.
3: <laughs> he's... Exactly. I mean, how can you turn around and say a guy as good-looking as that, as well-dressed as that, as well groomed as, as, well oh, as, well. as that? I was standing six inches away from his mouth last night, and I've got to admit, I have never seen a beard so well-kept. It was absolutely Giroux? beautiful. Giroux? beard better? It's a bit straggly. It's a bit like mine. Actually. I've got so many questions
4: that are not suitable for this podcast. I'm not going to ask any of them. Cracking
3: on. Chelsea have won 16 of their last 20 Premier League games against sides starting the day. Bottom of the table. Let's turn our attention to Saints. Spanked by Leicester have already been beaten by City once this week. The good news is they've got to go there again. Here's Alex Crook.
2: Well, there's no questioning Halloween came early for Southampton manager Ralph Hasenhuettel as his side suffered a nightmare, 9-0 drubbing at home to Leicester. The fixture ghouls have been in no mood to take pity on the beleaguered Austrian, handing his side not one but two trips to the Etihad in the space of only five days. City did not have to be at their spellbinding best to send Hasenhuettel's sorry Saints crashing out of the cup in midweek. Despite a battling second-half performance, the South Coast side... May need to rely on witchcraft to stop the champions picking up an 11th win in 12 games in all competitions. Worryingly for Saints, City have averaged three goals a match so far this season and will fancy their chances of adding to that haul against a team with just a single Premier League win since August. Gabriel Jesus has been keeping Sergio Aguero out of the City starting lineup of late, but the Argentines' midweek double may have put him in pole position for a recall. Does anyone have a calculator handy? We might need it.
3: Marco Silva's Everton have lost five of their last six Premier League games. They're stranded 16th in the table. The bad news is they haven't faced anyone yet. Uh, Ten games in, and Everton have played just one of last season's top six. But Marco Silva told me on Tuesday night, well, that's good news. And is it important for you to start to find form? Because you know that coming down the road in the next couple of months, you've got some really difficult fixtures. Up until now, you've played just one of the... Top six from last season. You've got some big teams on the
5: horizon. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, for us, Everton Football Club, uh, we showed last last season how in some moments it's better to play with the teams come here and play face-to-face with, uh, against us than teams come here and to play like Watford did, like Sheffield did here as well. Sheffield won the game here, just scored once in our target and scored twice. Okay, it's better for us in some moments. Play against teams they come here, play to face to face with us, and play the game against us. Even if they they are very good teams, and the, the teams controlled more the, the Premier League last few years. Uh, but we like to play this type of games, and for us it's never never a problem. Sometimes when you look, the game will be more easy. They are the most difficult games, and when you think, okay, we will be against play against a tough team. Sometimes are the, the, the games you can win as well.
1: Chris, is he right? I think I think what he's what he's trying to get at is that his players will raise their game against teams that are in the top six, as opposed to playing teams that are lower down. That shouldn't shouldn't be the case. Is that but a it's that sad his I, management
3: skills, not being able potentially, to... potentially. Yeah, but I think I think it's,
1: it's a natural thing, isn't it? You know, you know, you know, you're playing against a Spurs, a Chelsea, a Man United. You're going to raise your game a little bit. You're going to go out with out there with that little bit more determination. You want to put on a show. You know, people are watching. I think there's a lot of players at Everton that that react like that. Your you your people like that, who will perform in those sort of games, but maybe not against the,
4: the lower um, echelons of the Premier League. I love little clips like uh, Marco Silva's interview with you there because he basically says Sheffield United came here and they were really defensive and they nicked to win. They were the underdogs. We outplayed them. But then he, at the same time, says, "And that's what we're going to do when we play the top six. And will he slag off his own performance? Then, of course, he won't. He'll say, "Weren't we magnificent?" Just one shot, or is he, saying that? Or is he saying,
3: saying that there's more room in those games when you've got someone coming on to you? But and they're, they're, not they're going quite to good on the them, counter aren't attack, aren't they? As we saw, the last goal they scored against Watford was one where they were under it. A little bit of pressure, I say that loosely, for the first <laughs> time. And they very quickly broke, got the ball to Richarlison, and all of a sudden it was 2-0. He's
1: got pace, Walcott's got pace on the, on the counter-attack, yes. if, if they can play it's like bad. that. But they've got to defend well to be able to do that, and I'm not sure they can do that. Well, that's the biggest issue, isn't yeah, it? I absolutely. mean, the fact that
3: they keep conceding goal from set yeah. pieces. Actually, they faced two or three corners last night and didn't concede a goal, so that goes down as a victory in the win column <laughs> for them. Uh, this game last year against Tottenham was an absolute goal fest. 6-2 it finished. Are we expecting the same again, Tom?
4: Um, I don't expect it to be a golf fest, no. I think Everton desperately need to put on a good performance here. And I don't see Tottenham as a side that travel well right now. Their away record is very poor. Winless in 11 away games in the Premier League. Nine defeats in that time. When was I, the date? Do you know the date? Uh, it was... No, go on, tell me.
3: January against Fulham away from
4: home. Is that when it was? The last I mean, time that they feels won away like in the a long time ago. That well, was. Seven Fulham managers ago, isn't it? So <laughs> that's incredible. Uh, I, I don't see it as a goal fest No, I think it will be quite a cagey affair because you have two teams that need to get something from it I think Spurs will look to be solid I think Everton will be more defensive than they would usually be in a home game and I think maybe one goal wins it who gets it is anyone's guess I,
1: th- I think Spurs I think Spurs will win this
4: I, I think when, when I was at Spurs it was made
1: very aware to me that you always beat Everton and it, and it just is, the, is it's the fact <laughs> Everton, Everton like, I've never, never used, never. used to work into the dressing room at yeah. Manchester United and say come on
3: lads it's yeah. Spurs today absolutely yeah. you used to walk yeah. into the dressing room and go oh, it's Everton they've not today, won lads.
1: any of the last 13 against Spurs Everton mm-hmm you know it, it's one of those games where Spurs I think I think Spurs have actually looked a little bit better in the last few weeks. the Champions League result was a positive the performance at Liverpool was better they lost the game but it was certainly
4: better than they have been recently what, what about the star individuals though what about Deli Alli's performance Ericsson's performance what about the guys that turn games for Tottenham are they individually improving did you see that in the game at Anfield yeah, we're really we used it. to
3: turn games Well, yeah, we, exactly, you've already absolutely. spoken
4: about why, why we
1: think Ericsson isn't performing he doesn't particularly want to be there alley's been been out for a long time he left for Tongan again out another yeah weekend. The, 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 there's obviously something happened behind the scenes there that no one no one's able to say anything about mm. I just I just think there there were positives I, I think if they can somehow find a replacement and not play Aurier, they might actually get some points
3: okay um Everton as you mentioned quite a long while without a win against Spurs the last time that Everton beat Spurs was December the ninth, 2012 one nil can you pick the goal scorer De La Feu.
1: no it was before Yeah, was I don't know. I'm actually. just thinking yeah. back in, uh, it's in Croatia, Croatia, the past. Croatian. Oh, um. Vra- uh, the, the centre forward. Long centre forward, wasn't he? What was his name? Oh, I can't remember his Nikitsi
3: name. Nikitji Jelovic. Yeah, oh! That's the one. That's the one, yep. That hurts, doesn't it? I would have got that. Um, <laughs> Give right, <me> six <laughs> more four hours. follow the
1: Jelovic road, wasn't yes, it? Yes, yeah, yes, that yes, one. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> um, right, some people can get away with tearing their shirt off and swearing at their own fans, but Shaka can't. I like that. That's good. I like that a lot. Here is Aubameyang running towards the edge of the area after a mistake in midfield. He gets a right-putting shot from the edge of the box and slams it home.
2: Bye, Can Jimenez level it here for Wolverhampton Wanderers from the penalty spot in front of the Sir Jack Hayward stand. Jimenez shuffles his feet and slots the ball into the back of the net. Keeper went the right way, Angus Gunn, but Jimenez had slotted it into the far corner and the Wolves fans are jubilant. It's the equaliser. a free kick. He's done it again. He has done it again. The man could barely kick a ball straight until tonight and he's come on and Unai Emery owes him a huge debt of gratitude.
3: Okay, is the uh, Shaka thing... <laughs>
1: Sorry. <laughs> it's excellent.
3: That's superb. Come on, let's talk about the
1: football. <coughs> that was okay. worth coming for. <laughs> is the Shaka thing a bit of a sideshow, do you think? I think it probably helps. It takes away from the results. The results have been really poor. They've had leads. they've let leads slip, they look a shambles defensively. It's just, I I don't know where it's going with Arsenal. I was going to make the point, you know,
3: I I, I think Arsenal have decided against punishing him because by all reports he's suffering quite badly and they're concerned about his mental health. The main problem here is that there is actually no discernible difference between Arsenal under Arsene Wenger and Mm. Arsenal under Unai Emery. I think they're worse. I'll be honest, I think they're worse, yeah. You don't, as David Connolly told us two weeks ago on this podcast, think they are on the verge of something special.
1: Absolutely not, no. Oh, no, no I'm good friends with Dave. I, I coached with Dave for a little while at Millwall. And no.
4: Has he always been insane? We we love David, he's but we're going to bring this up He's got some strong opinions. Opinion yeah. what? <laughs> what is he talking about? <laughs> the, the, this Xhaka situation, the, the Emery press conference that he gave on the uh, the Tuesday where he was saying we were not quite sure what we're going to do with him yet, where I don't, he refused to answer questions about whether he was still the Arsenal captain. I get what you're saying about the issues that Jacka may or, or may not have. I don't know that. But from an Arsenal fan perspective, at this point, my captain just walked off the field... And fair enough, football fans are very sensitive, so you give them a bit of jip, and when you give it back, everyone gets really offended. But, hey, that's the way it is. The captain does that, he ain't the captain no more. And that should be the way it is. And yet Emery already gave him the captaincy by doing this bizarre vote of players... He already lost no, the previous pa- Guardiola captain. Guardiola did the same thing. Why is that odd? It's, it's that still not a great system for bringing a captain in. You could say that they've lacked a bit of leadership since Vincent Kompany, who was the obvious captain, left the club during the summer. So there may be some, some question marks about that at City as well. But then they lost the previous captain because he went on strike, didn't want to be there anymore. It seems to be a common thing with Arsenal Football Club that it keeps on happening. People, the captain, they're meant to be the leader, the legend, the John terry figure, and they all won out as well, soon they, as possible. They haven't got a leader,
1: have they? I, you look at the team. Who, who if Jacker isn't captain. Who are the candidates to be captain? There's probably one that I can name. Who, who
4: but that reflects badly so- on
1: Emory as well. Potentially, you might give it. I know. Listen, I know he's a shambles, but you know he's going to play every week. Mustafi vice captain. So Emery, your choices are Emery. David
3: Luiz or Socrates, aren't they? Basically,
1: pretty much, yeah. They can improve.
3: Holding so Tierney for me will will end up being the Arsenal captain. He's a good player. Give, it,
4: give it to Pepe because when the ball's not moving, he's fantastic, <laughs> right? And so we can do captain's duties when the ball's not moving, <laughs> oh, much right. like. Free kicks and penalties. There
3: was obviously a lot of talk in their last game about VAR. I think we should forget that. I mean, just not even go into it. I think it's actually turned out to be a poor appointment, Unai Emery, at Arsenal. Mm. I've said on previous podcasts, um, it's my belief, and it isn't a form of xenophobia, that he would be better off using a translator when he's trying to talk in English. And the reason for that, or, or sharpening it, whatever he wants to do, because he can't sell to the supporters his vision of Arsenal. He finds it very difficult to command enough. what is his vision? Well, we don't know because he can't sell it to Mm, us. Or he hasn't got one. Or he hasn't got one. But I think if he had a translator or or he decided to limit the amount of times that he spoke in English, he'd have a better chance of getting that vision across. I think it creates a false impression that actually he's not very sure of his ideas. If you look at his record as a coach, actually it's quite good. Mm, I mean, he's a three-time winner of the Europa League. But it's not working, is it? It's not working. And his tactics aren't working either You've thrown away two goal leads against Watford and Palace. You've lost to Sheffield United. You couldn't beat Tottenham or Manchester United when they're at a very low ebb. They lost to Liverpool Weasley, second best by miles that day. They're only in the top six because United and Tottenham have been under par. So it is right that we are examining his methods. What about Wolverhampton Wanderers? Because they're not playing in the Europa League this week. So they've had a relatively free week of
1: travelling, at least. They've just gone to Aston Villa. I watched this game last season and Wolves caught Arsenal on the counter-attack so often. They were so unfortunate not to win the game last year. I think it was a draw last year. The pace on the counter-attack, I I think of of
2: Traore, if he plays,
1: plays. I I think will cause Arsenal all sorts of problems. I I think Arsenal, at, at best, will get a point from this game.
4: So I was doing the Wolves game uh, on Sunday against Newcastle where they were dreadful first half. It was one of the worst 45 minutes of football i watched this season. Did you go to Wilson Park
1: on Tuesday
3: night? uh,
4: Thankfully, no, I wasn't there. Um, It sounds like a real hoot. Uh, But I will say that second half, Nuno Espirito Santo made some brilliant changes. For some reason, he keeps trying to play a Triore right wing back. It ain't going to happen. Stop trying to do it. Mm. He pushes Doherty back out right. They're overlapping each other. One is now on the wing and one is now as part of a front three. And they look much more effective against Newcastle and should have won the game quite handsomely in the end. Mm. Uh, And I think that if they can find a way, which he continues to keep looking for, down that right-hand side to get Traore and Doherty in the side together, while still being sure at the back, of course, no Willy Bolly now for a long period of time with his ankle issue... Um, I think they're going to be really effective going forward go, not just in this game but across the season. The pair of them linking up in the second half fair enough it was against Newcastle and they don't defend well but I thought they looked fantastic.
3: I mean the simple answer is is to revert to the formation that he started the Premier League with where he can play Doherty as a, a right wing back and he can play, he can play Troy Harry the off. pitch. He's a
1: tinker yeah. though isn't he? He's Hire a tinker man. Troy is much more effective higher up the pitch we saw that against Manchester City he did a great job playing a right wing back but when he went at centre forward late on he caused them all sorts of problems
3: ok no one at Bramall Lane is too fussed about the problems for Wolves and the problems for Arsenal they're loving life Premier League football straight talking Wilder in charge and a greasy chip butty which is often what you find in the hand of Alex
2: Carrick No prizes for guessing Liverpool and Leicester have the joint best defensive record in the Premier League. But who are the third teams to have conceded only eight goals from their first ten games? It must be Manchester City, right? Wrong. It is in fact newly promoted Sheffield United and blunting the opposition has taken the blaze to the lofty height of eighth in the table. It's the kind of stubbornness Burnley boss Sean Dyche would be beaming about. His side are next in line to try and get the better of Chris Wilder's mean back line. Central to the Clarets' game plan will no doubt be Wigan Dwight McNeil, who was among the goals in last weekend's 4-2 defeat at home to Chelsea. The teenager has been in stellar form since being thrust into the spotlight when Burnley was struggling halfway through last season. Deitch believes McNeil deserves an England call-up and will be able to prove his manager right at Bramall Lane. There is a lucky omen, though, for the home side in the form of referee Simon Hooper, who has overseen only one defeat in eight games in charge of Wilders' men.
3: Right, West Ham clash with Newcastle this week and carving up the stats and dishing up the rich pickings from the Dream Team this week is the butler himself. Andrew, hello, how are you?
6: Hi, Sam. Yeah, very well, thank nice you. Nice to you? see you. Well, uh, you've fine. got you've
3: come into the studio sporting a Jan and black eye. What happened?
6: I uh, I live out the brand so much that it was football-related as oh, well. I wasn't just having a scrap at the weekend. I... Um, I play left wing back, which despite being a six foot three man is not the, the traditional position for a wing back. Obviously. You're six foot three. Yeah, but pe- yeah, I am. People say that, that all the time as <laughs> a reaction. But I, <laughs> stand I, up. No, don't stand I, up. Don't, don't, don't. I, I mean, I can I can prove it to you. No, no, I, no the, it's fine. I must just only everything. look
3: at you sitting down. Uh, yeah.
6: yeah, I was running up the wing. Uh, the right back was running up. Uh, the opposition, uh, the opposing wing, I suppose. Great description so yeah, far. Yeah. You're nailing this it. This
3: sounds like Goffy's 50p store uh, from the yeah. other night on Drive. Uh,
6: yeah. Um, I won the header. I, of course um, you did. Because yeah, you six, six foot three. Because yeah. all of the wing backs are five foot five. And uh, and he uh, also won a header, but that header was um, in my face. So he really got me hard. He did, um, yeah. He headed the, Yeah, he headed me yeah, right in the face. And uh, the referee... Just just awarded a free kick. It was just a free kick. No yellow card. No yellow card. So and he what, would have been a good acquisition in Dream Team. Yeah, no yellow card. And what was, what was more, in the second half, I had a swollen face. I got hit in the face as a defender was trying to, um, trying to shield the ball away from me. Yeah. He hit me in the face again, yeah. and that caused a nosebleed. So I came off after... <laughs> Good After going. seventy-five minutes with a nosebleed and uh, and a black eye, so so great.
3: so, have you got eyesight enough to pick your way through this game? West Ham have gone five without a win since the win over Manchester United. They need a victory. Should we be gambling on ha- Hammers forward players, or, or are they going to give us a bloody nose?
6: Well, talk- <laughs> very good. So, talking of black, talking the black eyes as well. One that well, probably would give you a black eye if you uh, uh, ran into him. I really wanted to talk about Andy Carroll. But he's injured. Of course he is. Supposedly he's there was no way of knowing. Weekend. There
4: was apparently, no way of seeing
3: got, this. Apparently he got headed in the face by a five foot five inch <laughs> wing back. Don't put
6: Andy Kerr on the wing. That's what we've learned from this. Um, he scored in his last two games against uh, West Ham, um, but they were back in January 2009 and tw- 2010. Last time um, he was fit. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so he probably won't be playing. Yarmolenko um, is probably your best bet then because um, West Ham probably should play win this game right Tom I'm looking at you there was a lot of probabilities
3: there. in that sentence Tom are you, are you impressed by West Ham so far this season is there anyone in the team
4: that you could go right okay but he's alright the only one as Andrew said is Yamalenko has had a good season uh, the issue right now is they've got a striker in Sebastian Allaire who proved last season that working with people he is able to create and able to score Last weekend against Sheffield United, I mentioned I think they're a good side, but they're still Sheffield United and you're the home side. No one is near him. No one is near Laird. They dropped Lanzini because he's been awful. And when you watch people like Jack Grealish and then you watch Lanzini, you think that's what he should be doing. That's what he, that's what this guy is meant to be at this club and he's not. And Robert Snowgrass came in for one game, 75, 80 minutes and has outshone him.
3: Okay. um, what about Crystal Palace? I think they were lucky actually to get away with a point against Arsenal. They take on Leicester this weekend. I'm sure that run isn't going to last that Crystal Palace are on because they've shown great character. Uh, They've got some tough fixtures coming up. Uh, Luka Milivojevic, they've got the penalty king. 21 scored from 23 taken and Palace get tons of penalties. But now, with VAR, I've mentioned it, actually intervening in decisions, this might be the time to f- to throw him in
6: well exactly because I think we said almost possibly the first week of the season that we were expecting Palace to get more penalties because of VAR and mm. uh, you know Zaha does his thing and uh, gets penalties all the time but until last weekend uh, as he said Sam no, none of them were getting overturned but now it seems like the floodgates might have opened and Palace might be getting awarded more Um, VAR might come into play a bit more often Um, the VAR assistants might be less reticent to to be Overturning these sort of decisions, Miljojevich. Milovoje, uh, let's let's, let's go for you? that. Let's Sorry. go for that. We're still all together. Um, yeah. Miljojevich.
3: Miljojevich. There you go. Uh,
6: oh, at- I thought Andrew got it right. <laughs> <laughs> Miljojevich. Is that all right?
3: That's how Roy Hodgson. Is it? I call
6: him Luca. Uh, <laughs> two point eight million. Um, he averages two point six points a game. He's, he's he's an all right. He's an all right option. But you know. Obviously if he's if he's over the penalty spot then he'll be scoring, you know, eight points every single game. So he's a decent option. Um, Jordan I the only other person that you know, he scored um thirteen points last weekend. He's in the game at two million. He's only been picked by naught Af- point uh lovely a famous 0.1% of uh, players, which is essentially the the players that he's I look at. got four for. goals,
4: did not he? Are you, this
6: year? Yeah, he's, he's doing all right. He's their joint top scorer. He's just a, scored a, a against Arsenal. He's just scored against Arsenal. Well, that's not um, difficult, yeah. is it? Come on. He scored away at West
4: Ham as well, the winner, didn't he? <laughs> he scored against all the big clubs. <laughs> <laughs> the big stadiums, anyway. don't seem, You not
3: seem to have much enthusiasm for Crystal Palace. But turn your attention to Leicester City for me. Uh, they can't stop scoring. Alternatives to Vardy?
6: Uh, well, Uri Tielemans is probably the, the the standout pick. He's got 25 points in that uh, ridiculous 9-0 win um, over Southampton. I should actually just add, because this is a great Dream Team stat from the last weekend, Ryan Bertrand, poor Ryan Bertrand, scored the lowest points tally in one game ever in Dream Team history. Wow. Now that goes back over a quarter of a century. He scored minus 11 points. Uh, so if you had him in your team... Good luck to you. Break that down rest of for season. me.
4: Why is it minus eleven? Because he got sent got off. he Sent off,
6: but conceded. then the, the, but then the con, like goals conceded, oh, and he also still gets counts. all the goals nine, conceded from when conceded he went off. off doesn't yeah. help, does it? Right. So, alongside the nine goals, which has obviously only happened a handful of times in Premier League history, as well as getting sent off, thanks to VAR as well. We should mention then uh, minus eleven in one game. Is not a is not a good tag. Is he
4: picked obviously. by 0.1% of Dream Team managers? Does he get, does <laughs> actually, he get,
3: does he get a medal for that? Because uh, he could put it next to his Champions League winning medal that well, he's we, also got.
4: We could possibly send him one. <laughs> I have not thought about. But, it's a good um, idea that this will be more valued by him as well. Yeah, because he actually sure, contributed yeah. to this. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, he's,
3: he made his debut for Chelsea in that
4: game. Just ran around, hoping for the best in the final, as Chelsea luckily got their way to a Champions oh, wow. League on penalties. Ooh, that's how harsh, you win Champions League. And harsh, that was the yeah, same day that West Ham beat Blackpool at Wembley in the playoff final and that's really the big game of that day wasn't even the biggest game of that day <sighs>
3: yeah in your house uh, right <laughs> Brighton have been one of those teams who have had a very good start to the season and they do have a, a bit of a feel-good factor under the impressive Graham Potter
2: that should continue against Norwich Norwich's return to the Premier League has been the story of two seasons within a season. Full of vim and vigour in the August sunshine, Norwich were flying high. But as the autumn leaves have fallen, so too the canaries have plummeted down the table. Even Manchester United, who never win away could afford to miss two penalties and still leave Carrow Road with the points on Sunday. In fact, it's now five games without a league win for Daniel Farker's team, who travel to the south coast, still waiting for their first away victory of the season. Brighton did it the hard way against Everton, scoring twice in the closing minutes to make it back-to-back wins at the Amex. That doesn't happen very often. The return of fit-again Leandro Trossard as a second-half sub helped tilt a tight game in the Seagulls' favour the brilliant Belgian will surely be in from the start this weekend and that could spell more trouble for the relegation-haunted Canaries.
3: Aston Villa were brilliant for a half against Manchester City last week. Can they keep Liverpool at bay? What they'll have to do is concentrate a little bit more defensively because that was their undoing, Chris. Tyro Mings getting out-jumped by Jesus caused them all sorts of problems at a crucial time in the game.
1: It's, it's unlike Tiro Mings as well. I mean, he, he was excellent throughout the game. Mm. You'd expect him to dominate aerially certainly, and it—it it, it was just a funny goal for them to let in. I, I thought they—they they played well on the day, but I think City just wore them down in the end. And, and I think Liverpool, well, that mistake killed them, didn't it? As yeah. soon as that goal goes in, 19 it, seconds. You can't into the second chase the game. Half. Then you can't chase the game yeah. against Manchester City. It becomes almost impossible, doesn't it? You leave spaces and and they will hurt you won't they and I think Liverpool will just grind them down The second really...
3: goal should have been ruled out actually but obviously we're are we not really... doing VAR we're do you not, want to do it? it we're not going have into it have the
4: dubious goals panel when the VAR won't talk to each other we're not separated going by it. a frosted did piece of glass did he touch us? it hold
3: on that's not even really the most outrageous lack of communication is it the fact that David Silver said no ref I, I, I did touch it no no no, no, I did. Yeah, it touched it touched my foot.
1: But then that wasn't communicated
3: that to the people co- in the VAR. <laughs> okay. <But they're> watching, <laughs> yeah. There's a
4: second referee Who, watching yeah. it on the telly and <laughs> we're
3: we're watching say it. to see to look looking to see whether or not he'd actually yeah. touched it.
4: And they've got a video and probably audio as well, actually, because oh. he's mic'd up of and Silva saying, yep. "I touched that." Yeah, and they still let it go.
3: Unbelievable. No, anyway, don't. I've been impressed with the unwavering drive of Liverpool. That impressive determination to win in, in adversity. You know, they don't even lose when they go. They've gone behind in the game. Um, They've got that fortitude to fight back and there's an absolute belief that whatever the circumstances, they will win. That's going to carry them to the title, isn't it?
4: I think that they are embodied by the spirit of their captain, Jordan Henderson. Someone reminded me this week about 18 months ago, he got subbed to Anfield and got roundly booed by mm. Anfield fans. They were not happy with him being captain. They weren't happy with his performance. They weren't happy with him. He didn't sulk off and he didn't tell the, the home crowd to do one, Xhaka style. He came back. He changed position as well and that's something Jurgen Klopp gets a lot of credit for. Mm. But you watch the determination in his performance against Spurs. Watch his face when he scores that goal as well. I think that embodies them. I think that encapsulates them. You put him alongside Fabinho. I think he's been the best player in the league so far this season. I think he's been fantastic whenever I've watched him play. You're talking about Fabinho? Yes, in the centre midfield. They call him the Dyson
3: because he just hoovers everything up. That's his nickname in the dressing room.
4: Other Hoovers are available and they pay their tax. So feel free to buy (laughs) them instead. (laughs) Take that, James. Uh, But yeah, I think that that, that, you're absolutely right. I think the determination will get them there. I think their midfield's fantastic. Even when the front three isn't performing, the midfield trio and the four-backs are all having fantastic seasons. I just just love them this year. I think they're fantastic. Henderson's
3: positional change actually came about because he plays higher up for England as a result of um, that experience with England he went to Jurgen Klopp and said look I can do this and Klopp listened to him and adjusted and that's a sign of a good manager as well one that takes on board advice or or thoughts of his players
1: Absolutely you, that's what you want as a player you want to be able to go to your manager talk to him he listens he takes things on board listen I'm sure if it didn't work out Jordan Henderson would have been moved back and playing in a more defensive role again mm. but it seems to have worked out he moved to the right last week didn't he in the second half, and it yes. made a huge difference in the game. He's a good player, isn't he? And then he's reliable. You know exactly what you're going to get from him. He's the sort of player that that you need to go and win a title, like almost like James Milner. I think the only thing that worries me about them is that at the moment they're playing
3: Lovren in alongside Van Dijk yeah. ahead, because Matip is uh, injured ahead of Joe Gomez. That will give you a chance, or give opposition teams a chance, as we've already seen that, because they've conceded more goals this season than they did um, last season on average. But what does it say about Joe Gomez? Expected to emerge as a partner long-term for Harry Maguire with England, Jurgen Klopp clearly has seen something in his performances in training, or in the match that he's played, that he's not particularly impressed with.
1: It's, it's a surprise, because when he first went to Liverpool I thought obviously he had the injury but he was outstanding before he had the injury he came back looked as though he was getting back to that sort of form again I think he's a really good defender solid defender comfortable on the ball looks perfect probably to play on the right side of a back three whether he thinks he can play as a centre back in a back four I'm not sure Ah, that might be the issue and you look at Gareth Southgate didn't pick him, which was which I thought was interesting as well. Mm. When when maybe he he could have picked him instead of Tyrone Mings when they changed Michael Keane. Yeah, and maybe he's just not quite there in a back four. But I think on the, on the right side, centre half in a, in a back three, I think he's perfect. But that's a very specific job, absolutely. And you're only going to play that a certain number of times a season. That that might not that might only happen two three times a season at Liverpool. So what
3: has he got to do? Has he got to try and to improve his ability in order to be able to fit into a back four? I think
1: he's got to hope that Lovren keeps making mistakes, and then he's getting the team, and he because needs to Lovren's prove.
3: Literally, I mean, was in the bomb squad, wasn't it? I mean, you, haven't yeah. got,
4: you haven't got to hope that Lovren makes mistakes. It's going to happen regardless. But I will say this on Lovren, that he made a, a relatively high-profile error at the weekend just gone when that long ball went forward and Son hit the crossbar. But he's the man who had the shot at the other end about 10, 15 seconds previous. So he's just run a long way back so I think there is a mitigating circumstance to that mistake mm. in that he couldn't get back in time. And it was obviously a very well-seen ball from Gazzaniga to Son as well. And look, Lofren gets a lot of stick from people like us, from me specifically, for, for some of the things he said as well. I'm a, one of the best defenders in the world or whatever. But I actually don't think he is that bad a defender. And if you're Jurgen Klopp right now, you look around your group... One is out, and, and Matip's out for a long period of time. Gomez is a young man, and there's obviously some doubts about him, which you guys have just talked about. He can't afford to have Dan Lovren in the bomb squad. He can't afford to have this guy, with his experience, a World Cup finalist of, what, eight to ten years Premier League experience not playing in his team or in and around his squad. So maybe there's been a conversation there that certainly I'm not aware of to bring him back in, a soothing of relations. I think we're going to see a lot of Lover in the next few weeks and probably for the rest of this season. He's not as bad as that.
3: Okay. Um, It's time for the commentator's curse. (laughs) Yes, the stats and facts that have emerged to make us believe that they're going to have a worldie this weekend, a club or a player. But I'm sure once we utter them, we're bound to ruin their chances of a starring role. This uh, little tinkering bit of music is fitting for this weekend as it's Halloween. It's
1: terrifying.
3: Um, Who chose this? Who's going to be scared this
1: weekend? Uh, Chris, do you want to start us off? Yeah, I've um, picked Christian Eriksen. He scored in his last four Premier League appearances for Spurs against Everton I don't think he will this weekend
3: oh yes that is scary for Tottenham Hotspur isn't it
1: what about you Tom
4: talking of scary the shooting of Gerard Delefeu is somewhat horrific these days <laughs> someone shot him um, More sh- <laughs> from the grassy knoll just outside Vicarage Road uh, Delefeu has had more shots and more shots on target without scoring than any other player this season so this is almost a reverse commentator's curse now I've highlighted it Gerard Feu will hit the back of the net this weekend. Fingers crossed Watford fans. Okay. Well, after
1: rebounding off the hoardings, advertising hoardings behind yeah, the goal. Yeah,
4: potentially, yeah. Vickridge Road, of course, is built on top of a pet cemetery. Everyone knows that. That's why he keeps missing.
3: Spooky things happen, though, over Halloween, don't they? But there's no chance, is there, that Watford could beat Chelsea? There's no chance, is there? I don't know. Is there? No. I don't know. Well, no. they have failed to win any of their last ten Premier League games, Watford. But never before in the history of of Watford Football Club, have they ever failed to win any of their opening 11 games to any league campaign? The last team that actually did that were Queen's Park Rangers seven years ago. We all know what happened there. It's a major thing to do, to go 11 games at the start of a season without recording a victory in the league. They can't win on Saturday night, can they? Not against Chelsea. You Come
4: on, you owns. You can, can do it. Horns, devil horns, Halloween—it's oh, all there. Horns, the hornets, written oh, in the stars. Yeah, okay. Well, they say you horns, don't they? Do they? That's what they say. You horns? Did they? That's what they say. Are you sure? Yeah, ninety um, percent, <laughs> eighty-five.
3: Doesn't sound like anything out of the Elton John record, but I've heard. Right, thank you very much to Chris Perry pleasure
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Alert, as ever.
4: we're not finished we're not sorry finished. I was still trying Head to take in, take in Tom's uh, come on you horns taking Tom's horns yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks to Tom Rennie always a pleasure that's
3: it from us there's a load more content on the TalkSport app get it if you haven't and if you haven't subscribed to the game day podcast then please do so via iTunes Acast, Spotify or Google podcast and spread the word we'll be back next week I'll be at uh, the big game day kickoff off at 12.30 on Saturday it's Bournemouth against Manchester United all the fixtures available on Premier League live as well as on TalkSport.
2: That was a game day Premier League preview show. A TalkSport exclusive podcast.
0: The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on TalkSport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+. Be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply.
4: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer.